Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're hanging in there. I feel like I always say that now. I hope things are going okay in your neck of the woods. I know these are trying times and our new normal is has been strange and bizarre for, for every family, but I want to talk today about how it's exceptionally hard for those of us that are raising kids with anxiety or OCD because our kids have already had issues with uncertainty. They already had issues with anxiety. And now globally, the rest of the world is catching up with them. And everybody is having some anxiety and everybody is concerned with germs. So this is impacting our kids in different ways. And this episode is kind of like a hodgepodge of the top things I'm seeing across the board that are impacting the families I work with the most, the families that I work with online in the AT parenting community, um, and the families that are in my practice who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD. These are the questions I'm getting the most often. These are the struggles that I'm seeing the most often. And so I thought we could just do kind of a, a, a smorgasbord of various issues, various topics. And I can just touch on all of those and give you some quick pointers, some quick ideas on how to survive during this time. So I hope you and your family are staying healthy and well, we're trying to hang in there over here. I can't remember if I talked about this last episode where my daughter had to go to the hospital. I think I may have. Um, yeah, so she's recovering and had an infection. Who would have thought not a good time to go to the hospital, but luckily I know I did talk about this last episode, trying to keep you abreast of my life and what's going on over here, but thank goodness she's back to her old spunky self. She was just trying to paint her face and she has an appointment with the psychiatrist online in an hour. And I'm like, you are not painting your face. Just give it an hour. Her whole thing has been to create like a different character every day on her face. And she stopped doing that for a while. And it kind of got me concerned that maybe she wasn't feeling, um, enthused as much. And she has definitely had a lot of more downs than ups lately, uh, worrying. She was coughing last night. She was worried that she had the coronavirus. She wanted me to take her temperature. So I'm seeing it more so with her than I am with my other two kids. We are all overall hanging in there. Um, I kind of got my beat lately with the new schedule. It took me a couple of weeks to get into my rhythm, not wake up in complete panic and not feel like totally disoriented and discombobulated. And I'm sure a lot of you are experiencing the same thing where it just feels like very disorienting depending on how drastically your life has changed since all this has happened. So let's talk about, I have a handful of topics and I'm going to switch gears rather rapidly as we get through them so that I can address all of them. Before I get started, I do want to tell you that you have access to a free class online. I have an online school. And when I say an online school, it's like on demand. So you can enroll in classes and this is an actual great time to sign up for classes, soak up some learning, you know, roll up your sleeves, work on your kids' anxiety and OCD a little bit more than you normally do. 
I've signed up for some classes uh, on things that I wanted to learn and things that I wanted to do because I'm finding that I'm not driving around as much. So I have more time on my hands. And if you want to take a free class, I have a free mini OCD class that teaches you all the misunderstandings of childhood OCD. It's a great introduction. It's actually a the first part of my bigger online class for OCD. And you can see all my classes and you can enroll in that free class at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Okay, so let's first talk about how you're supposed to get your child to do their work. That is the the number one question I'm getting. I'm seeing a lot of people ask me questions about behavior, difficult behavior. I actually have an online class on that, um, behavior that's caused by anxiety and OCD, because that's such a common question that I get. And I do feel like we have to address behavior differently than we would address it with a child that's not being triggered with their anxiety and OCD. I think that you're going to approach those a little bit differently, actually a lot of bit differently. And so people are struggling with how do they get their kids to do work? Ironically, I will say, and we will get into, um, I actually think we will, well, it's not on my list, but we'll talk about it. We'll talk about how to help kids who do have issues around germs and issues around getting sick and how they're dealing with COVID. But ironically, I do have to say that most of the kids I'm seeing, if that wasn't their theme before the pandemic, it's not their theme now. So that's good news for the kids with anxiety and OCD is they're still having the same issues that they did prior to this for the most part. I'm sure there are kids out there who are the outliers, but in general, I'm seeing kids kind of stick with their themes. So we're going to talk today about things that aren't related necessarily to the coronavirus. These are things that are just kind of showing up and becoming an issue because we're quarantined and kids can't get out. So doing their work is number one. How do you get a child to do their work when they feel overwhelmed or when they don't want to do it or they'll do it later? And I don't think there's an easy answer for this. I'm going to give you just a little blurb on each thing and it's it's not going to be the silver bullet answer because nothing ever is, but it's, it's something more than nothing. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, I do feel like we don't want to, um, become the school police because we have enough on our plate. A lot of us are working from home or we're worried about finances or juggling now more things than we ever had to, because now we have to deal with our kids schedule on an hourly basis and our schedule. So it's a lot. What I've done at my house, and I'll just talk about what I've done at my house. And um, if that resonates with you, it's something to try. I wanted to give my my kids some control. So for my kids, and it will be different with every kid, depending on what city, state, or country you live in and what school district they're going to. But at my house, the kids are given about two hours of work a day so far. That's kind of what's going on. And it's all online. It's all stuff like click this link, watch this video, answer these questions. That's what's going on in my house. It might be different at yours. I am hearing that some kids are like literally in front of their computer doing like video classes all day long. That's not going on at my house. Thank goodness. I wouldn't want that for my kids. So um, if you have a child, and I think this is kind of more of the norm than not, where they have two hours of work a day, what I have done is I have a whiteboard and... I'll write out the things that they have to do and I'll write out the increments they have to do them in. So I'll say math, 30 minutes, because that's what they're gauging how long it would take reading 30 minutes. Um, And then I add a couple of my things too, 
because they really aren't getting two hours of work a day. It's more like an hour and a half. So I write like chore 30 minutes um, because we all have to pitch in and clean. The house is getting dirtier. I write exposure five minutes for my daughter. I'll write speech five minutes. And so we write those things on the board. I tally out how much time that's going to take. And then we get together every morning and we look at the board and I say, okay, when do you want to do this? And we do them an hour blocks. So we call them blocks. And so most of the time my kids will wake up at 10 (laughs) and they will want to start working at 12. So they will be like 12 to one. I'll do that as an hour block. Two to three will be an hour block. And then four to four 30, I'll do a half hour. And then I have them pick which things they will do in that hour block. So in that hour block, they pick two 30 minute things. And then I set an echo reminder um, or an Alexa, Alexa reminder so that it reminds them, Hey, it's 12 o'clock. It's time to start your next block. The whole purpose of this, and you can create your own rendition. I just want to share that because the whole purpose of this is to give them a semblance of control. So even though they have to do these things, I'm not the one telling them to do it. And I'm not the one telling them when to do it. Now, if they don't uh, start their work at 12 or they don't start their work at two, then I say, you know, we're not going to do this if you don't respect it, because this is about respect, you know, and you're waking up at 10, you're not starting work until 12. You're supposed to be in school for like seven hours. This is a gift. And so if this, um, responsibility, independent kind of structure that we have going on, isn't going to work for you, then we're going to have to go backwards. And for my kids, that tends to motivate them. No, 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 we'll do it. It's fine. So it will be different for every kid because a lot of kids aren't as compliant as that, but I'm giving them a sense of control in their schedule. They're creating their schedule. So there's more buy-in and I'm also not making it about me. I'm not, you know, the one giving them the assignments. I'm not the one enforcing it. I'm putting it more on the board and I'm having Alexa do the reminding and I'm just having to police it very mildly so that it's self running. And that has worked for us. It may not work for you, but that has worked for us. So that's an approach to take. Um, I am giving them Tic Tacs at the end of the day. For some reason, my kids like Tic Tacs. I have no idea why. And so that's a worthy investment, a Tic Tac a day. Well, not literally one Tic Tac, but they get like a little pack of Tic Tacs. And um, they'll say, did I earn my Tic Tacs today? Did I earn my Tic Tacs today? And Sometimes we'll roast marshmallows over, we have a fire pit in our backyard. And so uh, adding some daily incentives to say, Hey, you know, you did a great job today. You were independent. You did your work. You did your chore. I don't normally have them doing chores consistently. I've been really a mom fail on that one. And now I am having them do it. And I'm like actually really surprised that they're doing it. (laughs) Like I just assumed that they would give me so much fight that I'd eventually give up, but they're doing it they're doing the laundry, they're doing the dishes because it's on the board and it's part of their schedule. Even my 16 year old is doing it. I'm like, I'm like floored by it. And this, this, my friend is not going away after the quarantine is lifted because this is one of the silver linings of what's going on over here at the Daniels. Okay. So on to the next question, how can I help my child with their anxious thoughts? The downtime is killing them. That's a good question. A lot of our kids spend a lot of time. Their main number one coping mechanism is distraction. Whenever I have a kid in my practice and I'll say, what do you do normally to, you know, overcome your OCD thoughts or what do you do to overcome your anxiety? Hands down. The number one answer is I try to distract myself. And what I try to teach kids is distractions, a bandaid over a bullet hole. It is not the answer. You want to fix the wound, right? 
So this is actually a blessing in disguise, this downtime, because we're, we're, our kids are being forced to deal with those thoughts. And those thoughts were always there. They're always under the surface, but it's not apparent because it's disguised by a lot of busyness and activity. We're going to this practice or that practice or this class or that class. We're in school. We're doing homework. We're talking to friends. And that quietness is not there to see what is below the surface. So in a way, this is kind of a weird, bizarre gift that our kids are forced to have downtime. And so we want to tackle those intrusive thoughts. We want to attack those OCD compulsions. And the way that we do that is through all the things that I teach online, you know, through if it's OCD, doing exposures and getting more disciplined at that. If it's anxiety, I talk about red thoughts and green thoughts. Uh, my YouTube channel is full of videos on how to help. And you can go to my YouTube channel and just have your child watch those as an educational aspect of home learning for their anxiety and OCD. Or you can take an online class that I teach and I give you all the skills and tools to do exposure response prevention at home, or if it's anxiety, how to do challenges at home and how to give them um, tools for cognitive behavioral therapy so they can learn how to tackle their thoughts, reframe their thinking. These are good things to do. And those are staples that we all need to be doing to help our kids and ourselves that um, we don't want downtime to be the enemy, even in busy times. Okay. So... I would, I would try to roll up your sleeves and work on helping them combat those anxious thoughts or intrusive thoughts. I really feel like those are different. If it's OCD and it's an intrusive thought, I'm not battling it. Um, I might be poking back at it. I might be agreeing with it sarcastically. I might be doing exposures. I might be doing the opposite of what it wants. Um, if it's anxiety thoughts, I'm going to be doing some, um, cognitive reframing. So those are the things we want to focus on. And I'm going to move through these rather quickly because I want to make sure I get to all of them. The next question is, should I be working on my child's anxiety or OCD right now? Um, well, based on my last answer, <laughs> I guess that's kind of obvious. Yes, it is really nice. Um, let me preface this. So if you're asking that because you are worried that it's a fragile time for your child and there's so much going on in the world is this a good time to work on old issues or things that are popping up that aren't related to the pandemic? So that is the essence of the question. Then yes, it is a really good time. Don't walk on eggshells because we're having a global pandemic. A lot of kids are still hyper-focused on their fears and their themes that are a lot of times, most of the time, depending on if they had this issue before, not related to the pandemic. So yes, this is still a good time to work on doing exposures. This is still a good time to work on anxiety. Um, if you are feeling overwhelmed and you're asking that like, oh, should I have to work on my child's anxiety or OCD right now? Then that's a different answer because you don't need more on your plate. You don't need to feel more guilty than you already do. If you're feeling like, oh my gosh, Natasha, I am juggling, you know, this, these online um, online work now. And then I have online school with my kids and I have to clean my house and I'm feeling anxious myself and I'm barely surviving. Do I have to work on my child's anxiety and OCD? So if it's coming from that, that mindset, no, you don't have to, it's not going anywhere. It'll be there when you're ready. Take care of yourself first, put your own oxygen mask on breathe. Um, for the first two or three weeks of this, and I think we're in week four over here in Arizona, you know, I was, 
I was kind of a mess. Like I felt disoriented. I felt discombobulated. I felt depressed. Um, I would go through pockets where I felt inspired and then I'd, you know, crash and feel depressed again. And then I'd feel guilty that I wasn't working on my child's anxiety and OCD. And then I'd feel guilty that I wasn't doing, I just felt a guilt a lot. Like I needed to be doing so much more than what my go-getter mind was telling me I needed to do. So I did nothing. Um, or I did a little bit of everything and I felt bad about it. So if you're still in that state, it's okay. Um, you don't have to work on it. It's not going anywhere. Give yourself time to recharge. And then when you're ready, you can work on it. One thing that I've done recently is I'm just, I put a five minute exposure on our board and it just seems like whatever goes on the board gets done. Um, I'm more responsible if it's on the board and my kids will hold me to it if it's on the board. And when I write five minutes on that board and I, I see that it's not going to take much time, I can do five minutes. And so it does make me feel better because my daughter's emetophobia has spiked up because part of the reason why she went to the hospital was because, well, a big part of the reason was she was throwing up for two days. And so I want to nip that emetophobia in the bud and I want to get back on that horse. So we've been doing um, looking at pictures of throw up for the last week, and it literally takes five minutes a day. So I can do that. And it's literally five minutes. And I feel like check that box off. I'm doing exposures with my daughter, you know, and with my son, um, his RFID has gotten worse again. And I can't worry about that. I just have too much on my plate. And so we're spending five minutes a day where he's coming in here and I'm talking about the things that I talk about with the kids in my practice that I'm too exhausted to talk about with my own kids, which is totally messed up. So, um, and we, and I discovered the other day when we started to talk about his core fear and all of the compulsions that he's doing around food and eating, that it all stems from his fear of throwing up. Like disgust is his main thing. He doesn't want to feel disgusted. But underneath that, he doesn't want to be disgusted because he's worried it will make him nauseous and it'll make him throw up. So I have two kids actually that need exposures around uh, throw up. So we've been doing, you know, the same pictures with him as well. And it makes me feel better that I'm doing something more than nothing. Um, You don't have to do anything, but also know that you don't have to do something big right away. You can do something small. And for those of you that are like, oh, I am totally ready, Natasha. I just don't know where to start then you can look at my online classes. I mean, there, and there's other resources too. There's amazing, great books, um, out there talking back to OCD is one of my favorites where you can earn, you can learn things and pick up skills and apply them at home very easily. You can rent, um, an OCD kids movie. You can rent unstuck an OCD kids movie. I love that. That's 20 minutes of your time. And that's a great family event. And that would really educate your kids. So there's a lot of things you can do that aren't going to take much time. All right, on to the next question. How do I do exposures around separation anxiety when we aren't going anywhere? I've been getting that question a lot from people. They're worried that things are going to go backwards, that their kids were making progress, and now they're going to slide back. From, from my experience, you can still do separation anxiety challenges, even when you're at home, depending on how far you had already gotten. So some kids are starting to shadow you again. And so you're in one room and they're following you around. So you can definitely do exposures with that child by purposely saying, I'm going to do an exposure. I'm going to go somewhere in the house and you can't follow me. And you're going to stay in the living room or you're going to stay in your room. And we're going to do this for a certain period of time. So that's one exposure. If that's too easy, you can do an exposure where you say, I'm going to walk around the block. I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to be home. 
That's an exposure. Or you can say, I'm going to get in my car. I'm not going to tell you where I'm going. And I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to go back, when I'm coming back. That's an exposure. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just literally take your car, go around the block, park somewhere and wait 20 minutes. And then when that becomes easy, you wait 30 minutes. And when that, that becomes easy, you do it for an hour. You know, you just slowly move up. Um, the key is to have it be uh, am- ambiguous. You don't, your child doesn't know when you're going to be back. They don't know where you're going. And so that creates that uncertainty. If that's too big of a step, then you do baby steps and you tell them, I'm going to be gone, gone for a half hour. You can't contact me or text me. If that's too big, then you start with 10 minutes. The idea is just start where it's slightly stressful and then build up. But you don't need to be going to school to work on separation anxiety. So I hope that gives you some ideas on that. Okay, two more questions. Um, How can I help my child with social anxiety when they don't have to see anyone? These are really good questions, right? That's a good question. However, I find that video is very, very anxiety producing to my social anxiety. Uh, I can tell you a zillion things that are like just at home that cause my social anxiety to spike. Online activity is very socially uh, anxiety producing. That's not right. That's not a proper like sentence. It is very triggering for those with social anxiety. So um, if they have to or have the option to do like a Zoom conference call or a Google Hangout with their class, you can give them social anxiety challenges. Like you have to say how you're doing today or you have to answer a question. So you can give them kind of uh, exposure challenges that are built into what they have to do anyway. If they're not having to do any video at my house, it's not mandatory. And so that would be a great challenge if I wanted to work on social anxiety to say, hey, you, you know, how about you do a video and maybe I start off with, you don't have to have your video on. You don't have to have your audio on. You just have to participate. And then when that gets easy, you have to have your video on. And when that get when that gets easy, you have to say that you're doing okay. You have to say something. And then when that gets easy, you have to ask a question. So there's a hierarchy for everything that I'm talking about. If you don't have that opportunity, you can always have them sign up for an online class. I am a big fan of outschool.com. And because they are cheap and they have a zillion different themed classes and they're not all academic. And so, um, you can sign them up for a Minecraft class. My son was signed up for a magic class. It was uh, a one hour class. It was like $12, I think. And this guy taught them magic tricks. And for a socially anxious person, that would be really challenging because they're on video. They have to talk to other people. So you can think out of the box for sure. You can also challenge them to text a friend or FaceTime a friend and set that up. So lots to do around social anxiety. And the last one is how can I help my child with school anxiety when they don't have to go to school? Well, that's a good question too. Um, actually it's not my last question because I am going to end with what to do with people who compulsively wash. We are going to touch on that at the end. But back to my question about how can I help my child with school anxiety when they don't have to go to school? Normally, school anxiety is not about school. It's about something that's going to happen at school. So school anxiety tends to be about the core fear and it's different for each kid. So I might be anxious to go to school because I'm afraid of throwing up. So maybe I have a metaphobia. So really school is more of a trigger because I'm embarrassed. I don't want to throw up around people. Or maybe I'm afraid to go to school because I have social anxiety and I don't want to talk to people. 
Or maybe I'm afraid to go to school because I'm a perfectionist and I'm worried that I might fail or I might do something wrong. So my advice for you is to work on those fears on that theme at home. So if it's metaphobia, whip out those vomit pictures, you know, and then move up to videos and um, you can slowly expose your child. I have plenty of resources. If you go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com, there's a search button at the very bottom. You can type in perfectionism. You can type in school anxiety. You can type in uh, emetophobia or throw up or social anxiety, and you'll get tons of like probably YouTube videos that I've made for kids and podcasts and articles that can help you understand exactly how you should tackle those particular themes. Uh, My point is though, tackle the theme. It's not school. That's normally the anxiety. It's the theme. And we can trigger that theme and we can approach that theme and work on that theme, regardless of whether they're in school or not. I can't think of any theme that causes school refusal that you can't work on at home. Now, yes, you're not, maybe you won't find as big of a trigger at home, but you can still do some really good foundational work on that issue. Okay. Lastly, what about those kids that already worried about getting sick and they already worried about germs? And now the CDC is saying you should obsessively wash your hands. They're saying that you should wash your hands in the way that they were probably washing their hands as a compulsion. What do you do with that? That is hard. And um, it is really hard times for, for kids that have a lot of people have been saying like they have contamination OCD. I really don't think that's the right word because I can have contamination OCD and um, I'm worried I'm a bad person and other people are contaminated. So I don't really feel like that sums up what that is. I think it's more about the fear of germs. Um, I like the more specific. So what I've done for the kids that I work with in my practice who have that fear is I have written down when they sh- the new normal of when they should wash their hands and they are not allowed to wash their hands outside of that new normal. So the new normal would be, I am, I should wash my hands after I go to the bathroom. I should wash my hands if I was outside of the house at all. And I should wash my hands. Um, if I'm about to eat and separate from that, when you're home and you're quarantined as a child is, there's no other reason why they need to be washing their hands excessively. And then we want to time that and make sure that they're not washing their hands longer than they should. So writing down how long they should be washing their hands. And if you have to monitor it at first, that's a good thing or teach them to sing their ABCs. And when that song is over, it's over, um, teaching them how much soap to use. And if you have to monitor that at first, that might be a helpful thing because it's not also about, um, how often I wash, but how excessively I wash when I do wash. And so we want to write down what the new norms are so that kids can see that in black and white. Um, and for some of the kids, we might have to monitor that might have to take the soap away and really, um, monitor it until, you know, it gets under control because I'm seeing a lot of posts about kids hands being raw and blisters and, um, all sorts of physical issues based on just excessive hand washing and watch Watch the news. Don't have that on. Um, That's just so triggering for all of our kids and uh, also for you. So be careful what you watch and what you put in your brain so that you can be a rock for your kids as as, as much as we can be, right? So I hope that you found that helpful. It was kind of like a little um, quick, quick summary of all the, the, the big things that I'm seeing people 
asked me about and struggling. And um, I hope that there was some answers in there for you as well. So if you are enjoying my podcast and you're finding that my information is helpful for you, there is a very simple way to give back and giving back is a kind thing to do. Uh, you just have to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're consuming this podcast. If you have a few extra seconds and you want to give back even further, you can leave a comment and let other parents know what you're getting from this show. I always like to end my show um, to show my gratitude. I always like to end the show reading one of those. So I want to thank uh, Lynn Silev. She wrote, such a blessing and so helpful. My 10-year-old daughter has been having intrusive and obsessive thoughts. I am so thankful that I found Natasha's videos and podcasts. I feel that I'm better equipped to help my daughter take control of the OCD thoughts that she's dealing with. I also love that she made videos on OCD for kids to watch. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. It is much appreciated. Thank you so much for taking the time to write the review. I really appreciate that. Um, I don't think I said my YouTube channel, so definitely check out my YouTube channel. It is youtube.com slash C slash anxious toddlers 78. It is not for toddlers. It is for kids and teens. Um, it's just the name. So definitely check that out. There are plenty of videos, hundreds of videos. In fact, for kids with anxiety and OCD, I have playlists. So I have a playlist for kids with anxiety and I have a playlist for kids with OCD because it's not a channel that you're going to binge watch uh, randomly, you're going to want to pick out the videos that pertain to your child. I make very specific videos that are relevant to the different themes that a child is going through. So pick which ones are good for your kid and have them watch them. I always recommend that parents watch them first just to make sure they're appropriate, but they're a really good, uh, therapeutic supplement. In fact, I assign them as homework to a lot of the kids that come in my practice because, um, it's a good supplement. It's five minutes. It just drills home my point and it can, it can kind of catapult therapy. So I hope that helps you guys as well. Um, if you have something kind of say, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. And please don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do, especially right now. And I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.